Uh, welcome to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. You're joined by Paul, John and Pete. We're going to try and discuss the last few days of sport and our own sports journey to Nirvana. Yes, this is Leonard Skinner, not Nirvana. Welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. Boys, second show of 2021. Uh, a lot of things happening. COVID still playing its bits and pieces as it will throughout the year. How are we both? I'm fantastic. Thanks, Paul. And uh, thank you very much for having me on your show. And a good morning to Pete as well. Oh, mate, it is a pleasure to be able to hear both your voices and be able to uh, chat some sport with the both of you. But even better, uh, the fact that, you know, we get the opportunity to be able to share some thoughts, opinions, ideas, and speak about the crazy things that have been going on in the world of sport over the last week or so. And thank goodness we're keeping it just the sport because the world just seems to get crazier every week. Um, so, look, we're going to start off with uh, American sport. We're going to get into it. An absolute brilliant weekend of NFL playoffs, which we don't see every year. Um, so what are your thoughts there, guys? Uh, it's the first time this year they've done these, what they call them, the Super Wildcard Weekend, where they extended the playoffs and brought one extra team into both conferences. Uh, it worked really well on the AFC side because we've got a gangbusters game between Pete's um, beloved Bills and um, and the Indianapolis Colts. And it also gave us a bit of a stinker on the NFC side where you got my most hated Bears sort of clogging up the everyone's time and one of the most boring games I've ever seen against the uh, New Orleans Saints. But apart from that, I've said to you, Paul, I was pretty open that I reckon it's one of the best weekends of sport, those six NFL playoff games that I've ever sat through. Uh, it was just magic. It, it yeah. really was. And uh, sorry there, Pete, but a uh, bit of congratulations to you, mate. <laughs> Look, the, uh, probably one of the highlights of the weekend was obviously seeing the message from uh, John saying, oh, look, the Bills are playing against the Colts and, uh, and then actually getting the opportunity to be able to watch uh, part of the game and sending off the message going up the Bills and, uh, you know, exciting times ahead. Uh, as you mentioned, this, this kind of like wild card round, I, I personally thought it brought, you know, a different level of excitement to the competition, something that, you know, we're so used to it fulfilling a, a certain format, but the fact that there was something different that spiced things up, uh, I thought that this could be something really cool. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be saying, you know, every single year follows this wildcard type of a format. Perhaps this could be once every four years that this could be done. And, and this way it, it brings a certain amount of spice uh, to the competition when we get to this tail end of the season. Well, look, uh, Americans don't mind having half their teams in the finals, same as Australia in a lot of ways. Um, but it was really good football. It, it wasn't dominated by offense. Um, it certainly wasn't, um, uh, you know, something where you could, you had really good matchups where offensive lines had to really struggle against some really strong defense. And yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I think uh, a team in transition right now has to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they started off, as many people would know, uh, 11 wins uh, to start the season. But they never really looked convincing um, in those 11 wins, I didn't think. 
And the lack of run game means they're going to have to go back and, and, and possibly restart the whole kind of franchise. Yeah, and look, people are going to focus on the Steelers, but bugger that. I had an absolute thrill watching the Cleveland Browns just give it to them. Like, people who don't know um, NFL, like, every single year, the Browns um, come up and get their faces rubbed in it by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are like one of the greatest franchises in the NFL. Mm. But what a lot of people don't realise in Australia is that up until the 1970s, well, when the merger took place, the Packers and the um, Browns were two of the most dominating teams in American football. They're a traditional team. They got their team le- picked up and left. Um, how's this for irony? They had Bill Belichick as their manager, as their coach. They made the playoffs a year before, and then the owner decided to move, sack Bill Belichick, change the team's name, and just leave town. And ever since that yep. day, they've had nothing but dross. And that first quarter, man, like when the ball just blew over Big Ben's head from the snap and Pounce, he's an all-pro player. The ball's in the end zone. They didn't know. Where, you know what? No one said much, but James Conner and um, Roethlisberger running back for that ball looked like neither of them wanted to touch it. And the next thing, no. they just get in, in, uh, just swamped by the Browns and it was bang, bang, bang. And it's so nice to see a little guy who's been bullied get up and just punch the big bad you-know-what in the nose. And after the game, the the Pittsburgh players are still carrying on as if they own the Browns, talking about clapbacks and TikToks and all that kind of crap. They can do what they want. They got beat. Go home. Forget about it. You're gone. Go the Brownies. I loved it, man. You know that too. Right? It was it was a bit embarrassing. It was a bit embarrassing actually to carry on afterwards. I think uh, you know, like anyone, you, you you got they had their pants pulled down. Uh, they were twenty eight nil down. I think at quarter time. Yeah. Um, and Steelers only got into it. Um, yeah, maybe maybe the Browns backed off a little bit and should have gone, you know, gone for the throat. But it quite often happens in NFL, and the scoreline absolutely flattered the Steelers because that game was over early. Um, well done to all those long suffering, and we hear that term all the time in sport, long suffering. But the Browns really are. So to have the Browns and Bills win, I think that was the first time in playoff history they've both uh, won on the same weekend. But that's too... You know what the thing is? They've both got long-suffering fans and they've been in the down and dust, but they're two of the great storied franchises of the NFL. And the narrative, like, honestly, you couldn't write it because, like, every year you seem to get the same teams. And, hey, my team's one of them, the Packers. Like, they're there all the time. And I get, you know, browned out because we're exiting in the NFC Championship game. But for those guys, man, and say so someone like Pete there who's been there through thick and thin and seen it all this bad times to just be there now on the on the on the Pete, I told you, man, I told you this is the place to be because instant credibility. The, the Bills won, Brownies won. That's the only two ways you can get credibility is to just jump in with a team that's crap and they suddenly come up, then you're big time, man. Yes, but on well, thinking about the Steelers, I from the outside looking in, looking at that coaching stuff in in the way that they kind of behaved in the post match interviews and then behaved, you know, in in the aftermath of that fixture, it, it basically looked like it was the school bully or like you know the kid who had all the stars on the on the chart who had just basically lost at the final moment and. Uh, okay, to, to basically put the giant nerd hat on, it was kind of like uh, Slytherin losing the House Cup 
to Gryffindor at the last moment. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, we were like smashing it. We're doing so well. And then, oh, we got hammered. Oh, crap. Like, it, it was such a weird reaction. And to be blunt, I, I thought it was really embarrassing. I, I, I don't know if the Pittsburgh fans would think the same, but it just looked poor form. Yep. <clears throat> Could not argue with that whatsoever. Next week, look, there's, I don't think there's a weak game next week at all. We've got Rams taking on the Packers. So, you know, can I ask a question? Of Ram- Pete? Is that sport oh, yeah. called Quidditch? <laughs> well, we're just talking about the, the House Cup. So, this could be, uh, you know, a collection of points throughout the entire season. Good gosh, my Harry Potter nerd brain is going into overdrive at the moment. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, that does include that does include a whole heap of challenges. <laughs> I got an assignment from a from a kid a couple of years ago, and uh, she but they had to talk about a world class sporting event, and she told me, and I was like, "This is really cool. I've never heard of it." And it was Quidditch, and it was that thing from Harry Potter. And she told me, "I was like, oh, fair enough. Yeah, you can go there. That's fine." Yeah, mate. The Quidditch World Cup is real thing. This is what we should be talking about next up on uh, on the on the on find out what's going on in the Quidditch <laughs> world. I'm into it. I uh, will bring. Well, I think I think it's been postponed because of COVID, <laughs> but um, we'll come into that. Just so you know, John, uh, Quidditch is kind of like you know basically basketball, and the House Cup is like a collection of all sports. So um, if you know, it's like an Olympics basically for each house. So oh, okay, well that's awesome too. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes, and I'll just put my nerd hat on the side. Uh, Rams Packers next week. Uh, we've got a really, really good defense against a really good offense, which I love seeing those games of chess. Uh, Ravens taking on the Bills, and I really fancy uh, Josh Allen and his um, high flying offense to get over the Ravens because if they can stop the running game of Jackson and Co., I reckon they've got the major advantage of being able to play the game both ways. Browns and Chiefs. Wow. I mean, a lot of people just say Patrick Mahomes, yeah, Chiefs will win it. But the Browns have an all-round game. And I think the week off might not suit the Chiefs. The Browns will be battle-hardened, ready to rock. And then the game I honestly don't care about is the Buccaneers and Saints because um, I dislike both um, both teams for some reason. Well, with the Brownies going up against the, uh, the current running Super Bowl champions, Chiefs, there's a couple of side stories there that are really interesting. One of them is um, Kareem Hunt. There's a one-two punch in the backfield mm. for the Browns, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And I thought that they bossed around the Pittsburgh Steelers, not just last week, the week before as well. And they look like real yeah. old-school running backs. They've got huge, thick legs, and they just pump and grind. And um, he, there's an argument, and I've read a few times to say that Kareem Hunt could be the best running back in the NFL. He got thrown out at Kansas City because um, I think it was uh, – yeah. Uh, a domestic violence issue. I can't really remember, but, you know, the flip side of that is that Kansas City stuck by some other people who were involved in much the same thing, uh, who are there right now in their wide receiver. Um, and I think that he might be out looking for something to say about that. And the uh, Chiefs had 15-1 record. A couple of things with that. They, they, won all their, they won those games. That was great. They did just enough in all their games. Great team. Uh, they're coming off a very long uh, period of being up. And a couple of years ago, I've seen the Packers be 15-1 and one and 14-2, and going to the playoffs. Not just have the week off, but the week before the playoffs. Also, when that nothing yeah. changed and everyone's sitting down, you come out cold 
And the New York Giants did that to the Packers after they went 15-1 and one and at home and just pants us. And so Absolutely. 49ers and, you know, those games, no one expects it. But if you're just talking about – I hate it when people reduce the NFL to the quarterback, be the quarterback. There's so much more to it than that. And, uh, and I think oh, that the Brownies have got a big chance. I'm excited for my Packers to have an opportunity. I really am. Uh, I've got to talk about it. I get very nervous at this time of the year because we have been such a great team that hasn't cashed in as much as we should have over the 20 or 30 years I've been following them. Um, and this year, I think we really do have a chance. And I think, in fact, I'm really confident that the Rams with their great defense, but not much really happened. I, I actually like our defense as well, but I think um, I can't imagine that our offense is in, in Lambeau Field, in a hope it's freezing, freezing cold, and LA comes to town and they just absolutely freeze themselves to bits. But I'm very nervous. I think I think there's a, I think there's a reason to be nervous, and we know the player that if he gets a good start of the game, um, I think it's going to come down to that first quarter. And if Donald um, can get through, um, you ne- you just never know. Uh, you never you never know because he is the the best defensive player in the game, I reckon. So Aaron Donald, if he can cause a little bit of havoc to your guys in the first quarter, you just that's never it. Know. We got the second best rated um, offensive line. It doesn't get talked about much, but the NFL's one up front, and we and Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a great deal of weapons, if you like, as they say. Um, although he's got Devontae Adams and and Aaron Jones, but you know it's the offensive line's been good for a couple of years, and he's standing up. He's not getting touched. So fingers crossed. No, I think it's a I think it's a really great game. We were talking just before about that chess of the offense versus defense. And I think the Rams and Packers is the absolute epitome of that. Um the Ravens and the Bills, look, I honestly I really fancy the Bills in that game. I just think they've got an all round team and I think the Ravens have become a little bit one dimensional. And um I just I don't know about you guys, but I really actually fancy the Bills to beat the Ravens. I was really happy to see Lamar Jackson get off the schneid for um, playoff wins, which is another one of those ridiculous stats that the Americans carry on about. Oh, I love the NFL, but yeah. some of the stuff that they get bent out of shape about just blows my mind. And so the guy is like in the NFL, for, in, only in his third season, he's won an MVP, has got a, a massive winning record and has found a way to be beaten in playoffs. They're like, oh, he's a choker, is this, is that. It's like, you've got to give the guy a chance. Um, I'd rather have a team playing like that than one that's never... Never relevant, so you know I can put him. I wish he played for Newcastle, but um, he's um, what? Yeah, I just think the Bills are the team to beat. I, I've I've said for a while now. I think that the Bills and the Packers are heading towards the Super Bowl, and you know I've got my rosary beads out, and I'll be praying for that. I think you said it really well before about you know everyone makes it about the quarterbacks, um, but it's not like basketball where one player can dramatically change. Um, a, a team's dynamic. Uh, the quarterbacks, yeah, they make massive difference, but they're not the whole difference in a game. And uh, yeah, when it just comes down to people talking about the quarterbacks, I think it's wrong. Uh, you a bit nervous there, Pete? What are your thoughts about the Bills? You feeling confident well, going I'm in? I'm really interested to see whether or not we're going to get a game in snow. Uh, apparently, there's a, a good chance that it will be snowing either pre-game or post-game or potentially even during the game here and how much that will impact the, the players because... 
uh, you know, again, from a from a nerdy point of view, we saw uh, plenty of groundskeepers in uh, in England stay overnight at the fields to basically make sure that uh, the surfaces are perfect. Waking up every twenty minutes to turn on different hair dryers at different corners of fields and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Will that actually happen, or will that impact the game in any way? And you know, th- there's a few players who have come out and said they haven't actually played in these types of conditions before uh, and maybe that could influence the game in, in a big way for both teams. Well, I'm just really excited. We've got two games on Sunday, Australian time, two games on Monday. I think that's really good for us. Um, I've got a busy few days coming up, so I'm, I'm going to schedule out my Sunday morning to watch a fair bit of NFL and uh, on the way to work Monday, we'll do the same. So well, that's uh, pretty exciting. A, a cool um, anecdote there, host, um, was that... Uh, and this is one of the reasons I know that we, we love the Bills is that they let a few, uh, well, maybe three or 4,000 people into the stadium to watch the game. Um, you know, uh, friends yeah. and family of the, of the player and some closely associated, blah, blah, blah. And they spread it all around the ground. And, and the Orchard Park is one of the biggest stadiums in the, in the NFL and it's wide open spaces. Anyway, they managed to have two, two supporters of the Bills get into a fight with each other and throw on haymakers and get thrown out. It was like, it was like, <laughs> they, they, they were just spread out about 15 metres apart and they, everybody still Why? managed to, because that's Bill's, that's the way that people, they just love it, man. Talk about well, I understand that, but it's uh, bizarre. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was like, it was, re- it would have been real hard to organise a fight under those conditions, but they did. Wow. Um, I don't know if to praise that or just shake my head. Uh, <laughs> we're not a video podcast because otherwise, you, yeah, you would see. You could have a laugh sure. sometime. Uh, well, great week. Oh, at, well, especially with everything going on at the moment. Um, look, baseball, I just want to quickly say with baseball, um, John, I was sending you some messages this week. You want to talk about teams that are being long-suffering. New York Mets have always been the little brother to the Yankees and uh, even in their own division, the Nationals and Braves and everything like that as well. But Steve Cohen, multi-billionaire owner, he's made a couple massive signings. So we've got two of the top 20 players in baseball we've signed. And uh, he's come out with two other things this week to say, that's just the start of my signings over the next few years, which is really cool for me. And they're going to have the black uh, New York Mets jerseys as their away jerseys, which if you're not sure about the um, New York Mets, they usually wear blue with orange. And they used to have away jerseys that were black with blue writing. And we're jersey nerds. They look fantastic. Mm. And the New York Mets fan base is going nuts because they are really great um, away and kind of intimidating away jerseys as well. So from a Mets perspective, boys, um, I'm absolutely super stoked. An owner who followed the Mets is a billionaire and he's going to bring us up. And you watch the, uh, the Mets kind of like the Bills. People jump on their bandwagon next few years. And uh, yeah, pretty exciting. I think it's great somewhere. for any sport if you've and if you have an ownership structure where if the owner's got ambition, is a person who loves the club, and and that's what they want to do. Like if you go into sport expecting to make money, I don't see how that happens. But you know, like I think about when Newcastle was great and we had uh, Freddie Shepherd and uh, Sir John Hall who were Geordies who loved the football club, mm. who poured every cent they had into it, making huge signings. All this and that, and we had a brilliant few years. You get in a tin cap like Mike Ashley, who doesn't follow the club, is there to make money, and, well, you know the rest. 
So good luck to that. I haven't yeah. worked out for you, man. And yeah, those. Oh, I'm just look. Oh, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to get a jersey photo up for you boys because I'm going to order one straight away. Um, have a lot of Mets jerseys, which is pretty rare for Australians these days. Um, look, the college playoffs were over the weekend. I know you guys aren't the biggest fans of the college uh, system. Um, it was actually quite a boring game. Alabama absolutely annihilated Ohio State. And a lot of players are putting, a lot of pundits are putting a lot of the Alabama players up as top 20 or 30 draft picks. But it seems to be that Alabama is so system-based that the players seem to shine in the system. And I'm not sure it translates to the NFL. Any thoughts there? Well, boring is the key word. The college football is as boring as anything, and I wouldn't thank you for it. I'm not interested except to prospects. Hey, every person who plays for Alabama doesn't become a great player. Uh, and, yeah, well, look at Tua, man. If, if, if you're playing quarterback and you look awesome because you're throwing to five of the best wide receivers in America uh, against um, teams who – are running with the equivalent of the grade fours from Little Sisters of the Poor at Greenwich, um, you know, what do you think is going to happen? So yeah, it does nothing for me. And uh, I think that's why the the scouting of college players is such an art, the guys who do it. I do listen to them because realistically, yeah. I mean, who knows? But if you are – I think it's like anything. I think if you shine in a sport at a, different, at a, at a lower level but you're playing – and then as you go to a high level and you still stand out, even if you don't have, you're not surrounded by great players. That's why I hate academies and football so much. I mean, no one ever gets challenged, you know. You don't play with the best players where it's like, no. I like dudes who've got to come through and cash some checks and do it the hard way. So there you go. It's another rant off the table, go. That's actually a really good point there. And look, it's going to be a great draft. Um, I, you know, I, We'll we'll cover that in another uh, another uh, podcast because this is going to be one of the very very good NFL drafts from the players coming through, so it's going to be pretty interesting there. Uh, anything else about American sports you guys want well, to bring I just up? Actually no, to I'm jump good. On college football um, chat there for a split second. Found a, a fantastic article talking about more reruns than Seinfeld. The fact that you know there has to be a better way of running the system than what's being done currently because. You know, it's a really odd thing. You play twelve game, and and you win a national championship. It, it's it's such a weird format. It's such an unusual format. Um, it, it it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, compared to so many other sports that we know and love and follow. Uh, but it's exactly who you expect to be in the final, and it's the exact type of you know setup. Uh, it's an odd thing that, you know, some of these college playoffs teams would have the same kind of budget as an NFL side based on the facilities that they have available. And it's just mind-blowing for me. Yeah, it, look, there's a, you could you could do a separate podcast on on this one, Pete. But um, you've got the powerhouse of the SEC, and you've got the Pac-12. You've got all the different divisions and money talks. So the SEC teams, where you know teams like Alabama and so forth come from, have got so much power that traditionally there was no real playoff game for the national finals. In a way, um, it was almost decided. Um, based on, you know, strength of schedule and all those kind of things. So to even have the playoffs in the format we've got now is a massive step on what we had even a decade ago. 
And it'll never be perfect system, unfortunately. No, of course not. But that's part of the joy and the the differentiation between, you know, the different sports, the different setups and how things kind of really flow together. Well, I will finish off the uh, the American sporting section here at the moment with one more thing. I know it doesn't float your boat, guys, but it is massive news in NBA. Um, James Harden has, um, <laughs> during the season, James Harden has been traded away um, from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets. And um, Brooklyn Nets now look like a superpower team. Like, uh, if they can't win the, the title this year, they're, they're all in. It's an unbelievable team. They've got Kevin Durant. They've now got Harden as well. Um, yeah, I know it doesn't excite you, but it is a massive, massive break. All I know about James sport. Harden is what I've read and, and, and heard, and that is that there's a dude who can't get it done. Yeah, look, he's gone to Brooklyn to win a title. Um, and, and we've spoken well, about this. The point it, that he should have been able to do that at Houston? Yeah, well, Houston's been a funny kind of um, kettle of fish. And, and Harden um, has been in other teams where it looked like they should have been a championship contender as well. Uh, but Brooklyn Nets... Um, uh, Brooklyn Nets now, I mean, if they don't win it, it would it, be a massive shock. And, and that's no slight on the LA Lakers, but I'm not sure they can match a pair of Brooklyn Nets now. And then, you know, we're partway through a season, we're only a few games in, and you've already had one of the big stars of the game move across. Um, so, yeah, that is a slight on James Harden. He can score 40, he can, he can do everything, but I, by himself, he could not get a team over the line. So, anyway, that's the end of American Sport, boys. Um, guys, a couple of things that, have, you know, this will end off our first section here. A couple of things that you could almost make separate podcasts on. One is, um, you know, a fantastic test, a brilliant effort by India, uh, playing away from home, injuries, um, chasing, you know, over 400 runs. And at one stage, looked like they were going to beat Australia. Um a brilliant, brilliant rear guard effort, but overshadowed by this non-stop chirping and sledging of the Aussies. Any thoughts on the last test, guys? It was overshadowed by a lot of things. Um, and the 24-hour media cycle wants to make everything. And they never talk about the game. You know, um, you, know you talk yeah. about five, five guys getting ejected from the ground as an international incident, and no one even knows what they said. Okay, um, and no. it's like, and everyone's doing myopics on that, and it's taken up time on the ABC and an all in print, and it's everywhere. And then you've got the issue with Steve Smith uh, digging out the the crease, <laughs> scuffing his boots. Yeah, you got people pointing uh, in their second match. You got it's like you know what the game, the game itself, to me. Should have was enough to satisfy what I need from the sport. Everything else, and it, it seemed, does seem to float around a lot when Australia's playing India. Um, I think that's the nature of the beast is that they both rile each other up. That's part of the sport, and um, I'm not sure. Um, some some players and places seem to be able to sort of take some kind of a holier than our aspect on lots of stuff. I thought the sledging by the keeper was. Ridiculous. I think it actually, though, was made 10 times worse by the fact that all he was doing for the day was putting the ball on the carpet. Um, are you going to make that kind <laughs> of talk 
you've got to walk the walk, and he didn't. And uh, I think that made it a lot worse for him. Is this kind of a, a case that, you know, we I'm need sure. to go back to sledging school and learn what to say things which aren't, you know, just abusive or incredibly poor form comments? Because I don't know about you guys, but the sledging has just basically fallen apart and has become just, you know, personal attacks rather than, you know, having a bit of a joke at someone um, or, you know, trying to get them off their game a little bit. It's instead become these stupid comments, which it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, if I'm playing against him at that at that yeah. time, and if I'm Ashwin and he's been saying that to me, a couple of things. One is like, you know, at some point, if you get sick of it, you might turn around and say, listen, we can sort of talk about this afterwards. Exactly. Or two, or two um, is at the end of the game, is to, when you've done what you've got to do and you've got the better of them, just say, well played, you, and off you go. I mean, I thought that it was pure oil. I, I just couldn't believe that that – Especially, and I've I've been on this podcast defending Tim Payne and the fact that he needs to be picked as captain because I think he's done a good job for a very turbulent time. I thought he just completely lowered his colours during that game with the stuff he was saying. I agree with you, Pete. It's not even funny or witty what he was saying. He was just being an a-hole. Yeah, well, okay, put, to put it back I, into football because obviously that's the, the language that I know best. So, you know, speaking to a few different players, that they say, you know, the best sledges that they get is someone like, you know, Craig Moore saying to Archie Thompson, mate, you put on a little bit of weight. And then suddenly you start thinking about what's going on and suddenly then you start going on into a deep dive and it, it just throws you off your game a little tiny bit by just putting a, a second of doubt into your mind. Those are sledges. Those are things that make you, you know, that just get stuck in your head. But once you start being, you know, personal attacks, that's that, to be blunt, that's not cricket. <laughs> I think if you're going to sledge, um, and John, you and I played a fair bit of cricket. Obviously, I've said it many times. So I wasn't as good as you. I always found humour, like real humour, um, was part of the sledging, and you had to accept it back. Like if you give it out and someone gets it back, you almost have to Absolutely. slap their sledge back at you. Like, it, and, and, and I don't get how mean-spirited it's become. It's not going to put these professionals off their game. They hear sledging all the time. The, the other thing that really annoyed the hell out of me was every single bloody ball, catch it, oh, catch it, oh. The ball was hit along the ground and they're screaming out for catch it. Turn the stump mics off. I don't want to hear it. Right. I nice listening to the referee of the NRL games. I was pleased when they got rid of the two referees because all you heard was, Release up, yeah, dominant, all that. It's like I don't care for that, but um, yeah, I think sledging's become uh, mired in the in the thing the Americans call trash talk, and it is trash it talk. Really, is yeah. a, is horrible, and um, yeah, I, but turn the stumps mics off. Let the players get on with it, and yeah, if you don't like it, the umpires need so to we, take stuff we'll go- in hand. Thank you so much for saying that. My dad actually said that. He said, um, well, forget all the media. Forget everyone else. The, the umpires step in and say, that's enough, boys. This is absolutely outside the spirit. It continues. We're going, you know, we're taking it after the game. The umpires have done, whether they've been told not to, 
you know, you know, John, if an umpire turns around to you when we were playing and says, boys, keep it down or there'll be further action, you, you have to respect the umpire. And I think the swearing at the umpires and the just the lack of respect for umpires in all there sports. Was, and and, and because we like to focus on Australia when it comes to this stuff, but um, there was a little two hit down the ground. Oh, it, was, it was a single and it turned a two and the ball got sent back into Boomer, who's a fantastic player. And I love watching him play. And he got the ball and he backhanded and smashed the stumps. And he walked off. And he left it there for the, the umpires went and and put it back together like a petulant child who just throwing their um, milk all around the kitchen and said, oh, oh, that's okay, I'll clean it up. And uh, one of the commentators said, "Yeah, that's ridiculous. So get the umpire to call him back and say, mate, you put it back together. I can't remember who said it, but they were spot on. It was like, when you're doing it with juniors, and if they, if a junior carried on like that, and I'm I'm umpiring or involved in junior cricket, I'd be saying, "Listen, mate, you get over here now. See those stumps? You put them together, and no one's doing anything until you've done that. And when you've done it, go and have a rest for five minutes, and come back out." Absolutely. What about you know? It was even the rugby game just the other day where. The referee went to the video ref, got a decision, and to celebrate, one of the players picked up the referees and kind of like carried him around for a second, then put him down. The ref turned around, gave him a red card, quite rightly so, and the player's just like, why? Why am I getting sent off? Because the rule is just respect the referees. They're there for a reason. <laughs> if you don't yeah, want that- referees, go, go play ultimate, freeze, uh, ultimate Frisbee where there are no refs. <laughs> Yeah, it's just garbage. And and the the, the the umpire was Paul Wilson, who's a giant. He's he's twice the size of Boomer. Yeah. He could have stood over and said, "Listen, mate, get over here." Um, yeah, I'm 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 so over all that that crap with the cricket it, to the point where I never miss a test at the Gabba. I'm not going tomorrow for all kinds of reasons. Uh, one, I don't want to get caught up in a COVID scare yeah. if something comes up. But you know, a big part of it is the the fun and joy of going to the cricket, sitting in the crowd. Um, it's just disappeared. There's just so much uh, other activity that's going on around you. It's just easy to put it on the TV and hang around at home. I, I think you've made a really good point there, John and Pete. We, we all go to sporting events. Um, anyone who's been with me knows I'm loud, very loud. And, you know, I have that fear now of going to a sporting game and being ejected for being allowed as opposed to what I'm saying. Um, you know, I take kids to games, so I make a point that I don't swear at opposition. I make a point that I don't do certain things, but I'll, I'll be loud. Isn't that, Forever, isn't that one of the things about cricket I'll, is I'll, if you're a bowler and you're down the fence and you've had a bit of a couple of overs where, let's say, things haven't gone your way, and the crowd lets you know about it. That's not abuse. That's not heckling. That's just like, you know, and and – Sometimes it's good nature. Sometimes it's not so much. But let's not forget, the guys are playing international sport at the highest level. It's a traditional game. It's been going forever. If you can't cope with a few dudes on the sideline saying, mate, you're one of the worst bowlers I've ever seen, then you need to find something else to do with your time. And there's no way that, there's no way that anyone can convince yeah. me that when Eden Gardens is packed full or Chandigarh or anything like that, that everyone's sitting around with a, a big cigar saying, well, you know what, chaps, we're so pleased with the effort by the opposition. What a wonderful group you are. Come on. Oh, 
I think maybe that's a, you know, we're going to end this section now, but maybe, John, that's something these players need um, to take into consideration is what you've just said. If they're in a position of privilege. If someone is absolutely racially vilified, that's completely different to copping a sledge, um, you know, calling someone Shiraz, welcome to Sydney, you know, we'll see you over the fence with your next uh, six that gets hit against you. That's completely different. We, none of us here can die racism that's the given we don't even have to go into that but you need to cop a bit of crap and if i was on the fence as a bowler i would turn around give a little bit back and and give them a clap like that's the easiest way to shut people up aussies are going to smile at that you know if you turn around as an opposition player and you give it back nice and fair and i'll guarantee that i know if someone gave me a sledge from the players on the field i would actually clap them do you know what i mean like let's let's get a bit of levity back into the world End of part one. Uh, Foden slipping inside. And, yeah, he's done it again. Found the one inch, I think, of the net which was available. Phil Foden again strikes for Manchester City. He's on a bit of a hot streak at the moment. And that breakthrough does arrive before the break. just a moment ago but Harry Kane tucks that one into the corner and Tottenham lead Fulham on Jose Mourinho's side going back up to the Premier League's top three tonight Welcome back to the uh, Love Sport Podcast. This is part two. We're going to get into a bit of football talk, a little bit about social media and uh, any effects uh, potentially that COVID could have on our 2021 sporting year. Uh, So, boys, I hope um, you didn't have too many Shirazes there. Um, Obviously, post-cricket talk there. It's a bit of a bad dad joke. But won't go into the player in question. There's been an AFL player who's been sending some pics to, to ladies unwanted. Those ladies have come out and shared all of that. Um, sporting people on social media, um, any thoughts at all? <laughs> well, they do get training, or at least you sincerely hope that they get media training of what is socially acceptable and what is not socially acceptable. And if you don't get that training, then you have to rely on what is hopefully there, which is common sense. And common sense is you, you don't, yeah, not so common. Not so common. Um, simple things. Don't send photos of sausages. Just like, <laughs> like there you go. <laughs> like, you, you, you think common sense is common, but evidently not. It's, it's just ridiculous we're even having the conversation, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter if you're a sports person or not. If you send any uh, kind of lewd pics or anything, um, it doesn't disappear when you delete it off or anything, right? People are going to keep those. People are going to use them against you. Don't put out anything you wouldn't want your mum to see is what I tell my yeah, boys. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you basically think 
you know, photos that you take, would you be happy with that being on the front page of the newspaper or would you, uh, you know, rather be on the classified section? Personally, neither. So just don't do it. John, any thoughts there? Well, when it comes to um, sending photos of your wang, I think you have to, uh, you've got to know, <laughs> you have to know your audience for starters. <laughs> and, uh, and it helps if you do. But like, if you're, if you're going to do that, you, you're always going to sail pretty close to the wind no matter what's going on, aren't you? But that's just the way um, people do that these days. I am a little bit over people sort of pretending that 21 and 22 and 23-year-old people are kids. I don't really think that. Um, yeah. I think you'd be amazed at how much hot air is wasted at schools telling kids about the dangers of these things. It's not like they don't know, okay? And then you talk about the teams yeah. and all that. But I, I want to say this about social media. I... You know that I haven't been on Twitter for ages, right? And I had a bit of a look-see this week. And I just thought it was just such a cesspit of of people who think they're right about everything. And I, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Hey, I've got mine. And it, so we have this conversation like this. Even we're talking remotely to each other. We're talking. We converse. We understand that people have different opinions and we yeah. can work that out. But just to give you an example, so... I think I saw the ABC put up, ABC Grandstand put up a poll, like who's the greatest sporting siblings of all time? And I had a picture of the Eller brothers, maybe a picture, but pardon me, of the chapels, and a picture of Miranda and of Miranda Kerr. Sam Kerr, that would be a good um, siblings. Um, Sam Kerr and Daniel Kerr, right? And I thought I'd go and look at the comments. Yep. Well, it just started with everyone going, oh, I can't believe you didn't say this, that and the other. And, oh, my God, how can you possibly put this poll up without mentioning this? It's like, why is everyone on a high horse about such a simple question? If you've got somebody else to add to, like if we were sitting down at the pub and we started our conversation with, oh, man, who's better, the Ellers or the Chapel Brothers, right? The logical yeah. way yeah. that that would wind its way through the discussion would be that somebody would say something else. I might say, what about the Hughes boys from the NRL and then, you might tell it about the hers, and we might talk about yep. whatever. Um, the cyclist um, family, it doesn't matter. But, like, everybody just gets so angry and so amped so quick on that forum. I just shut it down again. I'm like, I'm not interested. I don't care. I love the fact you said that because um... – if we were at the pub situation, I think that's how Twitter needs to get back to it. If we're at the pub or, you know, at, at, at someone's house around the pool, I love that bit where someone goes, oh, my God, I forgot about them. You know, that kind of thing, which which is what we should be doing instead of, oh, my God. Yeah, but it's never, oh, my God, um, I. But I had a couple. It's always, oh, my God, you. And that's it. Yes, but when you're with your mates, when you're with your mates, it, when you're with your mates, you kind of like you, you you praise the person. You go, oh, I can't believe I forgot about that, or you know, we we didn't mention that. And so maybe we need to get back to that thinking a bit more. Um, I just want to give a couple positives this week because I've been pretty down about social media. I put a post up on a Villa page about um, it's a 90 second minute. Grealish goes into the box. He's brought down. Who do you put in as a penalty taker? And he had hundreds and hundreds of, of, of comments and everything, right? And it was all great. Everyone was going, oh, yeah, I don't know if I'd have him, but I'd have this person. Oh. And 
Mila Yednak was one of the uh, prime people that people were putting up from all over the world. And it was just really nice because yes, he never missed a penalty for Villa. Um, yeah, so I had that, had that positive moment. And then conversely, on a Richmond site, I, I put something up about, you know, who were going to be the emerging players of 2021. Um, here's the guy I think. And I thought, uh-oh, people are going to... So it had a little bit of that, I can't believe you'd put this guy up as an emerging player. But mainly it was positives. So I got a little bit of um, good vibes because it's what I want out there. I want the conversations. I don't want to be the person who says, this is the breakout person. You know, I was putting up, I think this person will be. Who do you think? And it got me a little bit of faith back. Um, And of course, I shouldn't have read all the comments because then there was two Richmond supporters who basically slagged off each other for having an opinion. So, yeah. I don't know. If I was a professional sports person, I would have a a full-time manager look after my social media. That that would just that's be no that. guarantee it's going to work either. No, but it's better than what some of them are doing. <laughs> hey, you play a dangerous game, it's going to come back and bite you at some point. Imagine so, tipping your manager off, saying, "Look, uh, so I need you to get this photo of my person off to uh, Denise at four five seven three one four. You know? Oh, I just, I just don't uh, look. In, in fairness to the player in question, we haven't brought up their name. He's now um, been suspended by his club and he's admitted himself to hospital for mental health issues. So, you know, I hope you can sort yourself out. I hope it's not an excuse for your behaviour. Um, but if you are going through those issues, you know, we don't wish harm upon anyone. So good luck to you, mate. We haven't mentioned your name. So there you go. Uh, guys, um, one of the least interesting stories of the year for me so far is Bernard Tomic could qualify for the Australian Open. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Uh, pretty much. I, I actually uh, did find it quite interesting looking at plenty of the, again, scrolling through the comment sections of articles that, you know, you slap yourself in the wrist and say, don't do it anymore, and then somehow you keep doing it. Uh, <laughs> one of those things whereby you're scrolling through the comments and it, uh, someone says, oh, why are so many of these players uh, coming to Australia when we've got so many Australians still overseas and can't come back home and all this kind of stuff? And I thought, do I reply by talking about, you know, the impact that sport have on mental health and well-being and the commercial aspects and then I was like, no, because to be blunt, not too many people are actually going to really care about the Australian Open this year, I feel. Um, I don't feel like it's going to get the traction that it yeah. has in previous years. Part of the joy, like one of the things that I've liked to have done for the last few years is go down in Melbourne for an Australia Day game between Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC and after the game or even the day before, sit in Fed Square and watch the tennis on the big screen and that kind of stuff. I just don't see that happening this year. And I don't see the excitement around the competition no. this year either. What you've said there is exactly why so, like we have these podcasts. We, we love so many sports. One of the great things for me is going down to Melbourne and seeing multiple sports in the one weekend. So it's going to be a long time before that happens again. Um, hey, let's get into a bit of football, one of the games we all absolutely love. I reckon there's six teams in this title race this year. Uh, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Leicester, Everton and Tottenham. United at the top there. of the table and... 
it, it's it's a really interesting one because Ollie's at the wheel, and as much stick as people have been giving him all year, Ollie's kind of doing okay with this United side. Um, it, it's a daunting one because you know there's still always going to be the chat saying Paul Popper's potentially leaving the side or Lindelof is not the centre-back or Harry Maguire is not good enough to be the star centre-back. Plenty of rumours saying that uh, Sergio Ramos uh, could sign a two-year deal because he's basically said to Real Madrid, whoever offers him a two-year deal first, he'll basically sign out instantly. Uh, it's, It's an odd time. Uh, with United and you can see yesterday in their performance against Burnley uh, United looked really good at times and then incredibly shaky for probably the last 15 minutes where Burnley started to get on top of them as you mentioned this title race has kind of opened up really well Um, I also quite like the fact that you've drawn the line at Southampton who are just one point behind Tottenham for now and we're not including them in the title race because Ralph Hasselhuden has them playing probably the most attractive football in the league at the moment. Yep. Um, that Man United game, though, you were talking about, pretty much sums up the 2020-21 kind of football aspects, you know, because no team seems to be... Uh, they all seem to be stop-start. But how did Harry Maguire's goal get disallowed yesterday? He climbs above the pack, puts the header in, and he's called for fouling. Like, I just think no one's going to go for headers anymore. No, well, it's a classic thing of you're not meant to look at any other players, otherwise a foul will get called as well. Um, So, you know, just don't jump for headers, don't look at people, kick a ball, uh, try not to do any skill moves in case you do scratch someone's leg. Uh, Just basically kick a ball, stand exactly still. And if anything, it becomes a bit more like foosball, um, that game where you've got basically... A few uh, few poles to hang on to, and you you flick your players around to try and knock the ball into the goal. I think that's probably the future of the game. Or we might just turn football into an e-sports game where we just play FIFA or uh, Pro Evo Sport uh, because it, it's odd the fact that you can't touch anyone, you can't see anyone, you, you can't make a decision without it being a foul or without a penalty being called, it's just getting odd and really obscure. No, I think that the, I think the powers that be have got a lot to, um, a lot to blame for incidents like the Harry Maguire thing, because they've made it so soft. Uh, I always, we all know uh, when we talk about football in Australia and depending on what um, company you're keeping, you have always had to defend the sport as being a physical game. And I think it's at its best when you have great um, physicality. Uh, I'm not talking, you know, um, just filthy play. I'm talking about really hard guys in the middle of defence, in the middle of midfield. I remember one of the um, my favourite players was a pretty hard dude, was Alan Shearer. And you need to play like that to get the absolute best out of yourself. And, I think VAR has scared the, everyone. Um, but also, you know, I really hate those kind of penalties when there's a shirt tug in the box. Yep. I hate that crap. Like, I, I just, like, you need the referees, and pardon my language here, I'm not being sexist. I'm just talking about the EPL to say to the guys, be a man, get in there and play. 
a totally different language if I'm talking yeah. to my girls' teams. But, I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to illustrate a point. I don't want to get cancelled. I think everyone, you all know what I'm saying. It's like, can you, for God's sake, get on with it and play without – I don't want the game to become like um, a ridiculous World Cup qualifier in CONCACAF with 12 minutes to go where everyone's rolling around the ground because they've got a 1-0 lead. And, and, and it's all – I think all those aspects of it are combined. But VAR to me has got a lot to answer for. Yeah. It's just garbage. Yeah. But also quite like, I, I apologise for jumping ahead and looking at an Australian game for a sec here, but thinking about in the A-League, Wellington Phoenix midfielder Rufa uh, gets himself sent off. The VAR, uh, well, basically he gets a yellow card. VAR upgrades it to a red card. Then in the post-game, the referees agreed that they actually made the wrong choice and that it should be revoked but then they keep a one-game suspension in. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, exactly that was the right. Wellington, Wellington Phoenix against um, MacArthur yeah. FC, and that's a game-changer right there when you get a player sent off with about half an hour left to play. And then you still get a one-game suspension despite yeah. the fact that it yeah. says the red card's been revoked. If you go, if you go yeah, down to a local game of any code of football and you're watching it and there's just one referee out there and the game's moving and something and this happens, someone gets sent off. They leave the field and the, the game goes on and that's it. But all these ongoing myopics about every single decision all the time. And, you, you know, we're not too far away from football. I hate the, the amount of time that can lapse when VAR's involved, but we're not far away, I'm sure, from... Like, why is it that you can do a – in a Newcastle match the other night, there should have been a send-off against against um, uh, Sheffield United. It doesn't happen. Um, and, like, when are they going to go and review just, you know, everything? I, I just – and how bad is it going to be when it gets to that? You know it's coming. Yeah, well, there's a couple of ga- couple games uh, watched this morning where – you went. You were waiting for VAR. There was a couple of heavy uh, challenges, and you don't even know when VAR is called for one thing and not for another. So it's confusing there. But I was watching a game. I'm thinking it's 45 seconds after an event. I think VAR is still in play. And then you hear the commentator say, "Yep, the VAR decision has just been made." And the play, the game's still going. Stuff that they're doing and different stuff because they know that's happening. Yep, it's. It's insane. But, hey, look, if we actually look at the uh, title race this year, Tottenham blew a golden chance this morning. And it's uh, it's so frustrating because Harry Kane, Harry Kane scores an absolutely fabulous diving-headed goal. And then whether it's through Mourinho's managing or coaching or, or Tottenham's, you know, previous frailties, they didn't take the game on. Um, this morning, they 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 kind of they had a one 0 lead against Fulham and just sat back. Um, and Fulham's going Fulham's um, counter attacks were horrendous. It was like a league <laughs> standard where they had the ability to pass the ball forward, but they didn't. It was like they didn't trust their teammates. I'm not sure if you guys saw the game, but they had the chance to put you know three, four, five, six through balls in in the space of minutes, and they went sideways. And that just, to me, shows well, the lack of trust That's because the best-looking thing about Fulham is Scott Parker. Like, there's nothing good-looking about the team on the field. They don't play good football by any means. 
uh, all attention should just be literally Scott Parker cam. Forget watching Fulham, just watch him on the sidelines. <laughs> You're not wrong. But, but you know, look, honestly, they could have really taken it to Tottenham and just put the through balls through. If you're a team down the bottom end and you've got a player who's free, just trust your well, teammate. Um, goal difference becomes do... a huge thing. Yeah, true. But they could have they could have stolen two points this morning. And 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 for me, the, the frustrating thing for Tottenham is they had the quality on the pitch, and they didn't take no, the well, game that, on. It, it was just a, a really team like Tottenham game actually to getting after a game like that. That should be three points. If you Newcastle every week and shove right. five in against us. Exactly right. Uh, guys, the other side to the picture here, and it's a real, real concern. Um, Newcastle for most of the year, and this is your forte, John, Newcastle for most of the year have lived under a heavy cloud of COVID in, in, in their area. They've had, um, not when I say breaches, they've had scares on the training ground. They've had staff affected. That's now happening in the Midlands with Villa, who potentially are going to now have their third game of the season postponed. Um, They were meant to play Tottenham this morning at Villa Park. They're meant to play Everton on Sunday night. That looks like Villa has requested that be postponed as well. Um, The season, you know, they could potentially be three games behind most of the competition in terms of games played. Um, there's real fears. Of, of well, there's season. no time in the calendar to actually be able to play these games. Like UEFA have basically said that the Euros will come first, that the Euros is the priority. So there's no time to actually be able to play these games. So we could get into the chaotic moment whereby you end up having, uh, you know, your senior squad play on a Tuesday and then you get your under-23s to play on the Thursday so you could senior squad can play again on the Saturday and pick three games in a week or, you know, do something similar because there's not enough time on the calendar to be able to fit these games in. We had up to six yeah. players, Paul, who had it. It wasn't just coaches, man. We had players. And, the, yeah. and those, those effects, I can – look, I, I can tell you that as much as I've been um, – moaning about how dreadful our form's been since we beat West Bromwich Albion. And I know exactly when that was. It was the 12th of December because it was the first day of my school holidays. And ever since that match, you know, the chance to watch us play, we have not had a win. Uh, We've had two draws. We're out of both, both, both cups. And, but after West Bromwich, we had to postpone the Villa game. Right now, ever since that, things yeah. have gone south. Leeds came out. Everyone's talking about our fitness against Leeds and run us off the park. We had six players who are coming off COVID. Uh, actually having it, not yeah. not just like being contact traced. Um, we've we've drawn against Fulham and Sheffield United, who were everyone's acknowledging just pretty diabolical football teams. Remember before that, before we got it, we were actually looking at – I was sitting here going, I can't wait to watch footy this holidays because I'm thinking we've got a chance looking at the top the top eight. Mm. And and ever since that, everything's fallen apart. It, you know, it, so, you know, the fear's there to me. I, I agree with you, mate. And I think it's been largely swept under the carpet if it was a, 
and I don't want to go on about the bigger teams, middle teams, lower teams. But if it was one of the, you know, the Liverpools or Uniteds and so forth, well, it had to be, be us, much didn't it? Wouldn't it? It had to be. It's, it's, like, Mike Ashley is so tight, he wouldn't pay for the vaccinations. <laughs> I'm sure that he could uh sporting company oh to be God. able to sponsor it and you'd have the advertising boards in the background to uh make it worthwhile for himself. Well on the positive as we said before, it's a tremendously close season. I mean, um, you know, but you, between top, which is United at the moment, and and down to, you know, seventh is seven points uh, between all of them with some teams having games in hand. And the team that's flown under the radar that could be one point off the top in a few days is Man City. You know, they're just going along. They've actually flown under the radar. Um, I haven't heard them mentioned in the title race in a fair while. Oh, it's and not often right in the last few years we've been able to say that Manchester City is flying under the radar by any means, that's for sure. Uh, they're the type of team who you kind of expect them. If nothing else, we expect City to, uh, to absolutely dominate, to destroy opponents. Uh, but... Yeah, it's exactly what you say. That they have been the quiet side from Manchester. All the attention's on to, on United at the moment. Uh, that everyone's kind of forgotten about the fact that City are just quietly going about their business. They're not really advertising too much. Then they're not, you know, going above and beyond. They're just quietly doing their business. And, and a team that's um, getting away from the, the headlines who really should be scrutinised uh, if the results keep going their way has to be Chelsea. I know that it takes time for um, players to gel, but they've signed a record amount of signings, like just some ridiculous amount. Um, and they're in ninth at the moment. And, and let's be honest, not playing the, the greatest football. Yeah, I'll let John jump on this one, mate. I... <laughs> We do spend a lot of time uh, usually saying, God, wouldn't it be great to have a nice, tight, closed-up table? Now, even for as bad as things have been for my lot, if we can get on a three-game winning streak, we'll be back up again, have poking our nose up, having a look at the top, the top half. And remember, um, at the start of the holidays, yeah. I mean, Arsenal was, you know, the worst. It, having it's Man United, we spent the first half of the year talking about Ollie, how does he get under the radar? I think you never in a really tight league where no one's running away with it. I'm pretty sure Chelsea's still think, sitting there thinking, you know, if we can get on a run and get, they'd need to string together five win great results. You know, they're capable of it, um, and you just never know what you're looking at because yeah. who knows what's going to happen with coronavirus? Like if when it goes through a club like it did with us, if it takes out five or six top players, and you just got to keep going, and they're involved in. In, in Europe and they're involved in the in the in the League Cup and they're involved in the in the FA Cup and blah 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 uh, that and 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 there's a, a back ending of all those fixtures and people literally can't breathe you just never know who's going to win I reckon it's going to be like a live tool right at the end and I I know what you're saying is that they haven't had much scrutiny I think it's because the scrutiny thing has been flying around to so many different teams that it's pretty hard to keep it on. So because yeah. we don't have a defined top four as we normally do. And, and you know what? Good. Because I feel like the whole table is a bit like that. Well, I mean, I was... 
I was pretty excited. We've got two games in hand. We're on 26 points. The, you know, top four, top five is at least something that they can look at. I'm not saying that Villa would get there. But um, Trezeguet has got COVID this morning. Uh, who's, you know, he's in the team fairly often, more of a squad player. But now that players have got it as well, and there could be a few more, um, the fear for me now is can we get through the season? I don't know. And that's the same as what's been happening at Newcastle. What's no the points really differential be- between... Uh, so, well, Chelsea's obviously going to have a way deeper squad than um, than we've got or what Villa's got. But, like, what's the points differential between them and the top four at the moment? Because yep. I can't see it. Yeah, so so Chelsea right now are six points off the top four. Um, uh, same as Villa. Villa's got two games in hand. Um, and that's how tight it is, you know, between yeah, so and top, they're not that points. They're not dead, um, are they? So, I mean, so hold the phone. That, oh, a no, couple of good no. results and, and somebody else falling, keeling over. And the other thing is, Sean always goes on about the league within the league. And you start playing each other and things do change. What a brilliant segue by you there, because this weekend we had Man United taking on Liverpool. Imagine if Man United get imagine if Man United get that result and go six points clear of uh, Liverpool. Surely the pressure is going to be on Liverpool. Big yeah, result. absolutely. This is the the game that you know everyone's kind of been whispering about uh, for the last few weeks, at least. Uh, you know, from from a Liverpool point of view and a United point of view, the fact that it's at Anfield, uh, it'll be. You know, Sunday evening for them, Monday morning for us. Uh, it's it's definitely the one that this could. You you don't want to say it's going to determine who basically wins the league, but this is the type of game that you know could almost cement who will be a true contender uh, towards the end of the season. Because obviously we've seen this this rise from United. We've seen this uh, real development from the squad. We've seen Liverpool. You know. They're they're not struggling by any means, but uh, from a defensive point of view, there's obviously been plenty of question marks. Uh, it, it's now just a chance of what side that Jurgen Klopp puts out and what kind of uh, energy that he brings to this lineup. Obviously, Liverpool weren't you know a, as heavily involved uh, over the last few days, so they've had at least a few days off. Uh, to kind of rest up, recover, and get themselves ready for this fixture. Uh, it's just I can't. I, you know, it's back to the old days. I can't wait to see this game. And well, I really, really, really. We don't make many predictions, so why don't we actually make one on this game? Because it, it, it's really exciting to have this as an actual, genuine big game. Because I'm not sure it really has been for a couple of years. Yeah. I think. No, not really. I mean, just the traditions kept it there, but this is a big game. I actually think Man United are going to steal it. I think they're going to win uh, 2-1, and um, it'll be a scrappy game. And, I, yeah, I've got a feeling Man United are going to skip six points clear. Of, Interesting. Uh, I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there that Liverpool will get up. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tip it as a one-miller. Uh, I think that Liverpool will score early, and that uh, that kind of shuts up shop. All right, we'll see <laughs> Very anti-quapish, huh? Yeah, no, well, not here. I think Liverpool, um, even though they're our bunnies recently, <laughs> they're the only team we've taken a point off. Um, I'm going to say, I reckon Liverpool will come out and stamp themselves back uh, right in the title race and I'll tip them to win uh, 2-0. 
And I think a lot of people are going to go down that path. And I think the expectation and the pressure is going they to be handle it. I don't think. Oh, yeah. This will be. This will be. You know, I think the thing people waited so long for Liverpool to win a title. This should be the kind of game they come out and say, "No, you sit back where you belong, Man United. We're the champions." And and Liverpool need. I think they need to win a couple of titles in a row to get people's kind of faith that they're really, really that big again. I don't know if that's um, a bit silly of me to say. I couldn't I disagree with you less. I mean, they don't have to prove how big they are. They won the title, and um, and you know when when they're misfiring, they win European cups. I wish we. Could. <laughs> That's the scary part, isn't it? Can't play. Yeah, they've had a bad decade. Yeah. They win a couple of European cups. <laughs> so I'm feeling pretty down about following Villa now. But uh, guys, um, just to finish it off, the, what's happening in England, and obviously to a lesser extent here, we're being you know, we're on an island. We're being really strict with our border controls and everything. But we're already seeing the A League season. Um, all over the place, games rescheduled. Um, you know, I put off buying my Raw membership this year because potentially COVID and so forth. But it's a really hard impost on families not to know when games are going to be played. I'm talking about Australia now. I'm, I know the rest of the world's different. A-League's already had a number of reschedules. NBL's been rescheduled. Grand Prix is going to be, I think, in October or November this year. Um, we just, I think we have to, almost say to ourselves nothing's guaranteed again yeah exactly right uh you know your early games your w league games they're all being postponed shuffled around uh you know when they're playing against opponents that you, you know you just played the previous week put in perspective uh, in the W League, we had a Melbourne Derby last weekend. We've got another Melbourne Derby this weekend. Uh, for Sydney FC, they're, they're playing Western Sydney Wanderers for another Derby this weekend that they played the weekend before. Uh, you've got Perth Glory against Adelaide. They literally just played in the W League last weekend. This time, they're playing in Perth uh, against Adelaide. It's, it's more of the same. Uh, we even had... You know, Canberra, they played against Brisbane up in Brisbane. They were told originally that they'd have to do their 14 days quarantine in Canberra. So all the players basically got themselves set up in their hotels or in their accommodation and got themselves ready to go. And two days in, uh, the messages came out saying, sorry, guys, you actually don't need a quarantine anymore. Uh, You're actually free to go. Enjoy. And... it's part of, you know, part of the charm, part of the the joy of the competition at the moment, the fact that we all just have to deal with the fluidity of how this league is constantly changing. Hard for supporters. Oh, absolutely. The, the fact that, you know, even if right now you try to jump onto the Air League website or onto the W League website, you actually can't because the websites are both down at the moment. Uh, but you you would barely know which games are going on, where are they going on, and what's happening next. I, I, think, so I think the reality of that what is, though, that, that if I wanted to go down and see Pete and Sydney today, and I said, you know what I'm going to do while I'm there, I'm going to hang out for a week and a half and just chill and go all around the city and go and get some food out in the western suburbs and head down to the beach for a surf at Bondi and blah, blah, blah. Well, I wouldn't know if I'd be able to get home to Queensland. So how, how, how are they going to be able to predict yeah, anything for, you know, long-term for, for sports teams? I actually think 
I wouldn't be surprised if the NRL and the AFL are working towards something that's not unlike what they did last year because th- that's the only way they can guarantee their content onto their TV contracts. I think we'd be really naive to think that the, the, the both of those leagues haven't really started planning that or, or well and truly planning that and have started advising clubs of the case. Um, I think that's that would be the smartest thing to do and TV is going to demand it. Um, you know, so I think, you know, I, I suppose I'm coming back from a, a membership point of view. If you're spending thousands of dollars on a membership for your family, I don't think this year is going to be the year you're going to do it. Um, because you just don't know if season's going to be played. And that's all around the world that's being felt. You know, like, you know how much it costs to go see Newcastle. Um, if you were buying a season ticket, you uh, we stopped doing it. People stopped doing that in Newcastle a couple of years ago for other reasons. But no, definitely yeah. at the moment, you wouldn't want to be making any donations <laughs> to the to the Mike Ashley Fund Foundation. But like up here, like I look at the teams that, that, that I've been interested in seeing, the Lions or Queensland Reds, I was looking at the membership sites the other day and I went, Eh, you know what? I don't think so. Like, because until we know what's going on, I I just don't think we know anything really. I don't think anyone knows. And and no, and that's what I mean. Um, like I'm someone who who buys multiple memberships because I won't say I'm loyal. I'd say I'm probably stupid. Um, and you know, I'm just talking from a Richmond point of view. I know people who spent you know three or four thousand dollars on their tickets last year. Um, and they didn't see a game. It's it's hard to keep spending. I just think buy a ticket for the game and go in at the moment. That would be the only way you could really do it. Yep, absolutely, guys. Any uh, any final comments on this pod? It's been a really good one. It's we've all had different opinions on stuff. You got any uh, final things you want to? Yeah, sure. Any I'll, I'll give a like huge shout out to uh, what's going on over in the W League at the moment. Uh, if people haven't already jumped on board. It's uh, following what's happening in the W League. We're, we're basically four games into a season. Uh, we've already had incredible long-range goals, strikes that no one really expects. Uh, we've had yep. a 6-0 demolition of, Manch- of Melbourne City. Sorry, uh, We've had you Melbourne know City. a coach come out and say, judge me after five rounds of the competition, not realising that the league is actually 14 rounds long and you actually play 12 games uh, of those 14 rounds. So to judge someone <laughs> after round five basically means half the season's already done. Uh, we've got players hitting 100 games records and plenty of celebrations across the league. And we've even got the likes of Jeff Hopkins, who was the first coach to uh, celebrate 100 games in charge. At the moment, so really, really great stuff from Jeff Hopkins at Melbourne Victory uh, to be able to celebrate 100 games. But uh, all all eyes and all attention should really be on Brisbane Raw and uh, head coach Jake Goodship. For me, he's still uh, favourite to to win the league with the side that he has at Brisbane. Oh, stop it, mate. Stop it. I didn't like our start. Uh, I was happy with the the second, you know, the games after that. But uh, don't don't get me too excited. But that 6 0 you're yes, talking exactly about. Yes, exactly right. And victory six different goals. Melbourne victory as well. Unbelievable game. Yeah, I just send a shout out to everybody involved there, in all the codes that aren't playing at the moment who are doing their pre-seasons, whether they're at the absolute top level or they're involved in um, club or... Um, amateur state representatives and there's a lot of them. I know a bunch of people in 
different sports who are currently working pretty hard. As they say, the party's over and they don't even know if they're going to have a season, but you can't approach it like that, can you? So, no. Good luck to them. No, not at all. That's a great shout. Um, I want to shout out to the rest of the AFL competition. Be scared. Be very scared. Dusty Martin comes back uh, pre-season training and breaks Richmond's all-time six-minute time trial. Um, I think he's got further further ambitions. So be scared, uh, AFL competition. And actually, before we jump out, uh, I'll also give one more quick shout-out to uh, good friends over at Blind Sports New South Wales. This week, they've actually been hosting a multi-sport school holiday camp uh, for uh, kids who are blind or vision impaired out at Narrabeen. Uh, basically, we've had a whole heap of different sports come out, do different training sessions, AFL, footy, soccer. Uh, we've had kayaking out there. They've been uh, doing, you know, skydiving at iFly. Uh, it, it's been an absolutely brilliant week for the guys over at Blind Sports New South Wales. Hopefully, the other uh, governing bodies across uh, Australia can also jump on board and, and realise that, you know, the, the future of sport is is really multi-sport theory. Uh, play as many sports as possible, uh, get as involved as possible in as many different games, and you, you will actually create better athletes and better human beings by the end, the, the more sports that we're all involved in. Obviously, you know, the three of us are, are star examples of this. Uh, tap, <laughs> tap everyone on the shoulder and go, look, well done us, because we all play so many different sports or at least have so many different in, uh, interactions with the sport that we just have to really celebrate the fact that we are these well-rounded individuals who can, you know, celebrate success. Wow. I don't think we're <laughs> yeah, doing better than hope than that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, keep up the good work. Keep up the good work, everyone. Uh, this has been the Love Sport Podcast, and we'll speak to you guys next week. Uh, thanks for joining Paul, John, and Pete on another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. You can get me on Paul underscore football at Twitter, John at Landic Peach, and Pete at Pete Novikowski. You can also get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, want to be a special guest one day, just give us a yell. This was the Love Sport Podcast. <laughs>